Uh, if you would, turn in your copy of God's Word to First uh, Peter chapter 2. First uh, Peter chapter 2, we will uh, read verses 4 through 12. Uh, let me ask if you're able to please stand as we read God's Word together. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame." So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. We pray, O Holy Spirit, uh, that you would help us. Help us to to hear, to understand, to embrace, to believe, uh, and to be changed by this, the very word of God. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the, the reality is we use the word church in a variety of ways. My guess is that at some point today, many of you, some of you said something this morning about going to church. And what we really mean when we say that is the, the Sunday morning activity that we call church. But it's really not church that I'm going to. It's, it's an activity of the, the gathered people of God. It's, a, it's a, an event, an activity. It's something we do. It's not really a place. Uh, if, however, you put an article in front of the word, the or a, you change the meaning entirely. You might say, well, I'm going to the church. And what you mean then is the building that is the church building of the church that I belong to, that, that, that I'm a member of. If you say I'm going to a church, well, maybe you're stopping off and dropping something off for somebody. Or maybe you're, you're going to a wedding or a, a funeral or a meeting that just happens to be in a church building. We use the word church in a variety of ways. And in fact, in all likelihood, if you say I'm going to the church, you mean sort of your church. If you say you're going to a church, it's probably not your church. And you know what? There's another example right there. We even say my church and your church. It's yet another meaning altogether. Curiously, though, 
The way we use the word church in any of those contexts is not at all the way the Bible ever talks about church. The Bible never uses church the way we do. And we rarely use the word church the way the Bible does. Maybe it's time for us to think about changing our language. This passage sort of makes clear to us that um, Peter's talking about the church. And the question is, just exactly what does he mean? Is he talking about a building? Is he talking about um, the, the thing we go to, an activity, an event? And we find in this passage that Peter is talking about people. And notice, first of all, the church is called. Look at verse 9. Now, as you read read through this passage, we read from Hosea 2 just a few minutes ago. That was our, our, our Old Testament passage. Because you heard the connection, right? I will say to no mercy, you've received mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people. And we just read, once you were not my people, now you are my people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. It's a quote from Hosea 2. We could have read from Isaiah. We could have read from the Psalms. Peter quotes Deuteronomy. Peter quotes from all sorts of places in the Old Testament. And in each of them, he's, he's taking the language of the Old Testament as it applied to Israel then. But here, he's applying them, using them to refer to the church. And once again, in verse 9, Peter's not afraid or ashamed of using words like called or chosen. He's not afraid to use those words that that cause such anxiety and animosity and anger in many church circles today. Notice verse 9. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. The church is called... Peter's writing to the churches in, in Asia. It, it's our, today on the map, if you find Turkey, kind of the northern and, and eastern parts of Turkey, those are the people Peter's writing to. The, the, you can read back at, at the beginning of chapter 1. He, he lists several places. Uh, his audience Okay, some of those people were probably Jewish and had a Jewish background, had been raised Jewish. They were, they were probably back in Jerusalem in Acts 2 when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And they heard the gospel. They were back to celebrate the Jewish festival and, and they heard Peter proclaim the gospel and, and Christ as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. And they heard that gospel and they believed and then they went home. And they took that gospel message with them. But it's Turkey. It's not Israel. The church would have been overwhelmingly Gentile. People who were not Jewish background. Who didn't have the, the heritage, the ancestry of, of not just learning and hearing and understanding the Old Testament. But, 
But knowing that those are my people, that I belong to those people of the exile in Exodus or those people who were once slaves in Egypt. He's writing, yes, some of the people have left Judaism, which is at least monotheistic, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but many of them would have left polytheism and and, and a pagan culture of the Greco-Roman world. And until now, the Old Testament didn't apply to them. And you get this sense that Peter is telling both Jew and Gentile that in Christ, the Old Testament is your Old Testament. That the Old Testament is about the church. It's not about Israel as a nation. All of a sudden, because these Gentiles have trusted in Christ, all of these Old Testament passages now apply to this new group of people. And Peter says, you were chosen. You were called. You believers were were called out of darkness and called to Christ. And they've come to Christ in response to that call. You know, there are people around you who will complain about things like or, uh, organized religion or who will complain about things like church as some sort of man-made institution. I don't really need the church. I don't need man's construction. I don't need this man-made institution we call the church as long as I've got a relationship with Jesus. The church is God's creation. The church is God's idea. The church is God's people. And we are called out of darkness and into the light of the gospel of Christ. And even that language, verse 9, chosen, called, God initiates. We respond. God came to us long before we ever came to him. In fact, verse 8, those that stumble do so because they disobey the word, because they don't believe the word. They don't believe what God has said. They don't believe the gospel. They don't believe in Christ. And since they don't believe, they disobey. And since they disobey, they stumble and they fall and are offended by Christ. Something they were destined to do, Peter writes. The church is called. The church is actually called by God, not called by people, not called by uh, each other, but the church is called by God Himself. He has called us to be His and brought us to saving faith in Christ. The church is called by God. But the church is also called out. There's a, there's a separation. There's a division. There's a, there's a change. There's a distinction being made when we respond in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 6 through 8. Again, quoting from Isaiah, quoting from the Psalms, piecing together 
a couple of different Old Testament passages to make this New Testament teaching and understanding. Peter uses this Old Testament language. Laying us in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Evidently, cornerstones are important. You went down to the local rock quarry. Because you didn't have all the tools and instruments and gadgets and, and GPS stuff. You didn't, you didn't have all that. You didn't have tractors or, or, or backhoes or things that could operate mechanically because they know where they are in the world. You literally had to go down to the quarry and find the perfect cube stone. Smooth, as the best cube shape you could that you could chisel it down and, and smooth it out and make it just the right stuff. Because if the cornerstone is off, everything else is off. This past fall, uh, I guess build is the right word. I don't really know what word you use when everything's two-dimensional and just flat and there's no vertical third dimension to it at all. But this past fall, uh, Nancy and Mary Lyles and I decided uh, to build a patio. Build a patio. Do you build a patio? Is that how this works? Um, just laying paver stones down. We thankfully had a flat edge of, of the concrete at the bottom of our steps in the backyard. You know, we had to go off of that flat edge and, and we still struggled. Like, like they were, we, we literally were putting down paver stones and then pulling them back up. Not because we couldn't get the pattern right, but because we couldn't get angles right. Lines went different directions and, and things didn't line up the way they were supposed to. We're just not that good at building stuff like that. This is why you have to come help at the church because you do not want me in charge of that project. But this stone to which we come is Christ. The living stone, the cornerstone and everything off of him is built off of him and he's 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 perfect and everything lines up just right it's this most important stone in the whole structure well we're come we come verse 4 to Christ we come to this living stone and those who do come verse 6 will not be put to shame but the same stone in verse 8, in one sense, in one place, it's the cornerstone of the building. In another place, it's a stone that gets in the way that people trip over and fall. It's the same stone. Okay, yes, the Old Testament and Peter sort of mix their metaphors in this sense, right? I mean, a, a cornerstone has other stones growing off of it or attached to it or lined up next to it and, and you build a building on it. It's not exactly sitting out in the middle of the road for you to trip over. But, but that's sort of the way Peter's using this language, these Old Testament passages to show us that there are some people who come to Christ who see this stone repent and believe and are built into the structure. There are others who see that stone and say, there's no way. And ultimately they stumble and fall. It's a stone rather than a cornerstone. It's a stone of offense. It's a stone that causes them to stumble. In other words, Jesus divides people. 
Yes, Jesus unites us. Yes, He brings us as His people into His household, into His family, into this building, this temple, this structure that He's putting together. But Jesus divides. He creates actually two people in the world. Those built into this structure and those who stumble and fall over Christ. We see it again in verses 9 and 10. You get the same sort of, of, of sense as you read Peter's words. There are two different kinds of people. Those who are chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim His excellence, called out of darkness into His light. And again, Peter's quoting from Hosea and Isaiah and other parts of the Old Testament. Those who were once not God's people now are God's people. Those who once had not yet received mercy now have received mercy. And the implication is there are still people who are not yet God's people. There are still people who have not received mercy. The language indicates two distinct groups of people. Some chosen called out of darkness into His light. Others remaining in darkness. A separation, a distinction. The gospel, or at least our response to the gospel, creates two kinds of people in the world. We see it again in verses 11 and 12, because... Here, Peter reminds them that, that we're exiles and sojourners, that this is not our home, and we're living in a place to which we don't technically belong, at least as it stands right now. And we're called to live lives that, that distinguish us from the rest of the watching world. As sojourners, as exiles, verse 11, abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. There's that internal struggle, but it's also external. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak of you as evil, when they speak against you as evildoers. Peter says, look, if our lives are wholeheartedly committed to following Christ, the world will call you names. The world will speak against you. When they do, and you get this, again, two groups of people, those who belong to Christ and those who don't. We as believers are called to be different. We're called out of the world and into a new people. But I want you to notice something. Unfortunately, I think it's a little too common for us as Christians To look with pride and animosity and disdain at unbelievers. We're surprised that they act the way they do. I mean, never mind that they're behaving exactly as their system of belief tells them to act. Never mind that they're being perfectly consistent with their Belief or unbelief. 
It's not fair or right for us to expect them to live as Christians when they plainly and evidently reject Christ and don't claim to be Christians. See, the, the point of the differences in our lives, the point of them even speaking against us is not that we might feel better about ourselves. And it's not so that we might call them names and, and, and lob rocks at them, even verbally, from a distance. There's actually an aim. And that point is, verse 12, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There is a difference. We are called out of the world. And yes, the gospel and our response to the gospel creates two kinds of people in the world. But the goal of our changed lives is their evangelism. It's not their shame. It's not their guilt. It's not our pride. It's not our sort of being puffed up and feeling good about it. The whole purpose, according to verse 12 is that they too might one day come to saving faith in Christ. Our change is designed to win others to Christ, not to make them angrier at Him. Oh, that we might live lives that draw unbelievers to long for what we have. The church is called, the church is called out, but lastly, the church is called Two. And there are actually two things to which the church is called. You've heard me say it before. Uh, I've even said it in the last couple of weeks in the context of First Peter. God never calls people from without taking them to something. God didn't just get Israel out of Egypt. He took them to the promised land. Yes, He calls us out of the world but not to then leave us and say, I hope it goes well from here. Good luck with all that. No, we come out of the world and we come to Christ. Notice verse 4. It's in Christ that we find our true identity as the church. As you come to Him, a living stone. Yes, He's been rejected by men. Yes, He was rejected by those who were around him, who, who lived, even his own people rejected him. And yet in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. We are the church because we come to Christ. We are the church because God has taken us stones, once dead, made us alive and united us to Christ and lined us up and built us into that structure that he's building, which is the church. We're built on him through faith. You see it again in verse 6. It stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Christ is a living stone we are a living stone. Christ was chosen to be the cornerstone. We are chosen to be built in Him. As Christians, we're called to Christ. And that may seem perfectly obvious to 
all of us. Uh, you, you're not called a Christian unless you come to saving faith in Christ, unless you embrace the gospel, unless you uh, repent and believe the gospel and, and believe on Christ as he's offered in that gospel. But we don't just come to Christ. We also come to each other. If you go to, there are any number of ways to illustrate this. Uh, if you go, if you ever go to the Masters Golf Tournament, the Augusta National, um, and there's a, there are a couple of sections, a couple of places where they've had to kind of limit space, I understand. A um, couple of places where you're allowed to get autographs. Um, and of course, they don't, they don't want you, even during practice rounds, they don't, they don't want you stopping a player, you know, in the middle of the eighth fairway and say, hey, can I get your autograph, right? I mean, because then crowds gather and, and they see him signing one autograph and all of a sudden, you know, dozens of people surround him or, or as Tiger Woods is leaving the practice facility, heading into the, the locker room, you're allowed to stop right in there and, and, and get autographs and, and, and people Gather around. It's not just you and Tiger. It's you and Tiger and a whole host of other people. Why? Well, they want to be with Christ. They want to be a Tiger. They want to be there. They want to get his autograph. And by default, if you're going to gather around Tiger Woods in that situation, you're also gathering around everyone else around you. Everybody that's coming to get Tiger's autograph is going to be packed in there tight like this, shoulder to shoulder. It's COVID. We, we can't do that COVID days. But, you know, normally, under normal conditions, that's how this works. Well, that's the picture here in First Peter 2. Because we, as stones once dead, made alive or brought to Christ suddenly, we're built into this structure right up next to each other. We don't just come to Christ. We actually come to each other. Look at verse 5, for example. You yourselves, like living stones, being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Look at verse 7. The honors for you who believe, but for those, uh, but for those who do not believe, the stone builders rejected. See, you who believe are coming to Christ and being built on Him and brought to each other. Verse 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That's plural language. That's not you, the individual, but y'all as the church. The reality is, if we're coming to Christ, if one is coming to Christ, if two are coming to Christ, if 50,000 are coming to Christ, they will by default come to one another. They will be brought into this same building, this same structure. Christ lives because He's defeated death. Christ is a living stone because He's defeated death. We are living stones because we're made alive in Christ and then brought together, gathered from the quarry as it were and brought back to this building and, and shaped and molded and set in place into this temple, into this structure that Scripture calls the church. Maybe we would do well to learn language of 
we're going to worship to use that for the Sunday morning activity, not I'm going to church. I'm not going to the church because it's not a building. This is place number five in the life of Grace Covenant in which we've met for worship. And the church has never ceased to be the church. Just because we're in a different place doesn't mean we're no longer at the church. We are the church. Brought together by God in Christ and to one another. The church is called, the church is called out of the world. The church is called to Christ and to one another. Let me make a few applications from this passage. Uh, first, if you're not trusting in Christ this morning, this gospel is for you. Come to Jesus. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Turn from sin. Trust in Christ. Uh, don't stumble over the, the stone that is Christ. Instead, repent and believe the gospel and be gathered in and built into this structure. A second application, and this is Sort of an observation, I guess, of sorts. You know, the stones used to build buildings don't get to decide where they fit in the building. You ever thought about this? The builder makes that call. The builder doesn't go down to the quarry, grab a stone and bring it back and say, okay, now you tell me where you want to go in this structure. The builder says, we're going to pick this up and we're going to put it right there. This has implications for us as the church. You know, we may have people around us, uh, people in our congregation, or, or at least people who are, are brothers and sisters in Christ and belong to the church, uh, capital C, if not this particular church, who don't, who aren't like us who aren't in the same socioeconomic class as us, who don't vote the way I vote, who like Auburn, who don't, you know, any number of things. You realize, if you read the Gospels, Jesus had a right-wing, pro-gun, anti-government um, well, extremist among the twelve. That's what a zealot is. Simon the zealot. Zealot isn't just a description. It's not an adjective. It's a noun. It's a group of people who were raised to say, you know what? We, Israel, the Jews, are under the oppression of Rome and all I need is somebody to say go and I'm going at Rome with my gun and I will shoot them all and we need to overthrow them by force. That's Simon the Zealot. That's his background. Among the twelve, you've also got a Jewish guy who sold out to that government. Worked for them. Even to the point that he would rob his fellow Jew for his own advancement. That's how Matthew the tax collector made his money. He worked for Rome. He worked for the very people Simon the Zealot wanted destroyed. They were both part of the twelve. If there's room for that extreme difference in the twelve, there's room for that difference in the church. 
Oh, that God would make us more like that. Believers who may not see eye to eye on every issue. Believers who don't have the same background. But because we come to Christ, because we come to each other, we are brothers and sisters built into the same building and committed to growing and encouraging each other. A third application, just sort of, uh, I've already mentioned um, There's no room for arrogance in the church. We're called by Christ and saved by grace, not by our own works. Therefore, we don't look down our noses at non-Christians with pride. Instead, we long for them to embrace that same gospel, to be a part of this body. And fourth, let me encourage you with this. Because... Peter in verse 8 reminds us that Christ is a stone of stumbling. There are times when Christians stumble. The difference is stumbling and falling and staying fallen versus stumbling for a time. Peter understood this. Peter literally told Jesus... I'm with you all the way. Whatever it takes, I'm all in. Within hours, he was cussing at a servant girl saying, I don't know that guy. It took him hours to stumble like that. But he's restored. Restored by Christ. Let me encourage you sort of two ways with this. One is there may very well come times when you stumble. Christ brings you back. Christ will restore you. Those who are truly converted will not stay fallen away. Yes, they may stumble into some painful, difficult things. This can be encouraging for parents and for children. Parents watching their children wander off into to fields they don't wish their kids weren't in. Or kids watching their parents wandering off into fields they wish they weren't in. But if they're converted, Christ will bring them back. Alongside of that, sort of connected to that, we don't decide too quickly that those people just aren't believers. They may very well stumble. Instead of kicking them, maybe we reach out a hand and help them back and restore them and see them brought back into the household of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this new creation that is the church, this uh, this building, uh, this structure that you are putting together on this earth, as you bring men and women and boys and girls to saving faith in Christ, as you bring us out of the world, out of darkness, and to Jesus and to each other, would you use us? Would you build us one on top of the other? Father, we pray that, that we, that at least here at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church, we would be a place that welcomes diversity of all kinds. That backgrounds don't matter, but that relationship with Christ is of utmost importance. May we reflect 
your kingdom more and more. We pray all of this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.